Well, the dollar is up, making U.S. commodities more expensive, and that's driving export sales volume to beyond low levels. I mean, wow. The World Grains Council raised world corn production. Brazil has a record corn crop for sale on the world market at pretty much bargain basement prices, and they're planting more corn and more soybeans next year. And Mexico, they're not backing off on their plan to replace about 6 million tons of corn that they import from the U.S. I tell you, what a mess. Or is it? Are there some bright spots there? Coley and Kavanaugh stand by to give us their thoughts, and they are brought to you each week by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And uh, we like to support them because they support us by, by feeding us. The key word is support, like the way the Farm Bureau supports uh, 4-H and FFA kids and the way your membership supports the farm families that do feed the nation. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org and check it out. Well, guys, this bleak picture before us seems to revolve to a great extent around the destruction of demand that we have seen mounting over, gosh, I don't know, the last, what, six to nine months? I've lost count of the number of times USDA has adjusted export sales projections, David. So uh, let's start with the export sales numbers, David. Yeah, the wheat was a little over 300. That's just terrible compared to normal, but it has been rather low this time of the year. And on the corn, about 570. Well, that's still a low number. I'd like to go over a million metric tons. And beans, oh no, 434. Oh, Phew. how bad can it get, you guys? But again, <laughs> look at the price, people. I don't care. We can talk anything we want to do, but look at the price for export and look what the dollar index has been doing. And it's not getting cheaper. Yeah, well, and the grain market retracted because of it, retracted more than it retraced this past week, John. It just blew out support levels left and right, John. <laughs> It sure has. You know, we took out a recent low. And in fact, uh, uh, December corn futures are at the lowest uh, value this past week. Uh, they've been since back in 2020. You know, that was just as the major rally began, you know, that three-year rally that we saw that's uh, apparently topped out. Yes, we're taking out support levels and you know, we've got harvest coming up. We're going to get some harvest pressure. This weekend ought to be decent, at least in parts of the belt. So uh, more pressure is probably coming. And I believe the downside, the next to support level, nearby support level on December futures is about 461. Hmm. Yeah, David, you know, you talk about the U.S. dollar's been on a continuous rally for, I think somebody said, about two months or better pressuring commodities and impairing U.S. exports. So, you know, the Fed comes out this week. They say, now nah, we're not going to raise interest rates right now, but really freaked out traders of all commodities, I think, you know, when they said, well, yeah, but we will before the end of the year. <laughs> That right. didn't help anything. So uh, give us an idea. What what, uh, what may or may not happen with the U.S. dollar here over the next uh, handful of weeks? It's all about interest rates from foreigners wanting to buy the dollar and then deposit it in the U.S. banks and get the higher interest rates. And they're saying by the end of the year, yes, they're going to raise interest rates again. Now, earlier they were saying by well, March, they're probably going to stop raising interest rates. But then they changed that tune recently and said, no, we'll keep raising interest rates as tall as we need to get them to try and control the dollar. But at the same time, try and keep things going as far as the savers and around the world. So that, I think, is a big issue right now. It's not just the currency value. It's the interest that we're offering in this country. And look around the rest of the world. What type of interest rates are they offering, like in Europe and England and in Asia? That is a big problem right now for people and the value of the dollar. Well, and it just makes our stuff more expensive. John, the International Grains Council uh, this past week 
raised their 2023-24 world corn production estimate by a million tons. So it just <laughs> keeps on going up. And uh, USDA, they, this is one, John, that just begs reality. And USDA looking for a 385 million bushel year-over-year corn export increase uh, this year. I'm having a hard time trying to find evidence to justify that. Oh, absolutely. I uh, We talked about this a few weeks ago, I think, Rob. It appears that the USDA is overestimating this year's corn exports. It doesn't make any sense that they would increase, uh, given the situation we're seeing. The Brazilian corn continues to be at a sharp discount to U.S. corn. So I think that number is kind of high. In fact, Arlen Suderman, the analyst with StoneX, is certainly highly respected. He's factoring in lower exports and total lower demand for corn because of that, which could build that carryover. You know, the current estimate that our carryover is going to get to two 2.22 billion, yeah. which is very plentiful, and it might actually, I think, end up being higher than that, as high as 2.24 billion. All I can say is, is that's plenty of corn, and you know, those kind of numbers say prices are going to have a hard time rallying yeah. that kind of a large carryover. You know, in addition to the corn export increase, we've got the Mexican government that wants to replace about six million of the 18 million tons of corn that they import from us. And John, you've talked several times about that, about how you know most of what we send them anyway goes to animal feed. Exactly. Cutting a third out of our annual exports to Mexico, who has typically been our number two best buyer of our corn. Uh, man, that's taken a bite out of export. Yeah, it is. You're exactly right. If the, you know, that much, because uh, you know, Mexico is a major importer of corn. In fact, uh, currently, I believe they're the leading importer of corn from the U.S. And certainly to lose uh, that kind of volume, we're going to feel it. But again, I, I'm still skeptical because I understand the non-GMO for their uh, food products, but that's a small portion of their total. And we're so close that I, I'm still a little skeptical about how much business we'll actually lose. Yeah. But at the moment, yes, it's scary. If we do lose that much volume, it's going to hurt us. Well, and you've made such a good point, you know, about delivery. To your point about being our close neighbor there to the south, delivery <laughs> makes a whole lot of sense. And boy, it sure has been a part of the narrative this week, David, with the river system. And and I guess the thing about the river system, David, is is about this rain that's been moving across the grain belt in really in fits and spurts. I mean, you know, some heavy rain scattered across the western and southern belt over the past 24 hours, heaviest in the western corn belt where... <laughs> Okay, that's about three or four weeks late, right? Stuff yep. that just kind of withered in the field, but expected to move across the Midwest through the weekend. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey told me this week, he said one to three in some parts, two to four inches in other parts. Is that going to be enough to replenish the water in the river system and get these barges moving again? It'll help, but I don't think it'll replenish the water as dry as the soil is right now because we're going to be absorbing that a lot. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I follow Ryan Hall, and he keeps saying we're going to be seeing cooler weather, colder weather, water weather, hot weather, and it's just going to keep going back and forth, back and forth as these frontal systems move across the U.S. So yeah. Ryan's saying uh, if you're looking for rain, don't expect it. And if you're not <laughs> looking for rain, don't expect it. You know, the whole problem is droughts begin when you don't get much rain. But look at Illinois, how much rain they They've been getting, and then Iowa gets it. It's just not as plentiful yeah. nor as big a rain system as we expect. Yeah, and John, these freight rates with the barges on the river. Yes, you know, uh, we had that happen last year because of the low water in the river and the fact that they had to reduce the barge capacities caused freight rates to skyrocket, and we got as high at one point as 875% of tariff, which is, whoo, you know, that's extraordinarily and unusually high. It didn't last very long, but it was there for a while. 
And we're in lockstep with that. Right now, in the last couple of weeks, freight rates have uh, gotten sharply higher, and we're about equal to the same numbers we saw a year ago. And if that continues, we're going to go even higher yet. Those freight rates are so high that you take current values at the Gulf for exporting corn, you back the freight off into the interior. And just to give you an example, you go to the Illinois River to Peoria, Illinois, because of that high freight, it backs into the interior that the barges are worth only 32 under December FOB Peoria. That's corn. <laughs> Soybeans are at 37 under. And those wow. are, you know, historically very cheap values. And we'll even take it to the PNW. Let's go west. If you can sell corn for, for November, December shipment, FOB Pacific Northwest, back the uh, freight off into the interior to places such as Minnesota, western Iowa, the Dakotas, it backs off to elevators and freight and trains 40 under December FOB, the loading point. Wow. So, yeah, it's, all, it's dirt cheap and could get even cheaper if we happen to get, uh, frankly, if harvest comes pretty quick. Now, whether it does or not, we're going to have to wait and see. But obviously, the producers are going to store as much corn as they, as they can, which they certainly should. But if you don't have your own storage and you have to store it at the elevator, look for those storage rates to be very high this coming fall. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of high, you know, feed uh, has been not only scarce, but high priced. And David, that has really affected livestock. But all of a sudden, with these high beef prices, high pork prices, all of a sudden, I'm getting a lot of stuff across my desk just saying, you know, some of these calf cow operations have decided, you know, we're going to crank it back up again. Yes, because, you know, you look at cash and it's 185 down to 183 in the south. But look at this. The, the December futures right now are almost 191. They've just had a little bit of a break here. It's just a bull flag and it'll probably break out to the upside. How high? Well, I'm looking at it going probably around 194, 195. But Ooh. what's driving the demand for beef right now? It's still the American public wanting beef meat. And especially since restaurants and, and other stores are getting much more expensive on their prices, they're saying, well, look, if I have to pay more for all my prices, I might as well get more beef. Hogs sold off, though. That was the big surprise. Yeah, what was Hogs that? did a big nosedive as consumers saying, I want beef. Well, here we are, tail end of our conversation this morning with the guys. And so uh, we turn it over to John Cavanaugh because, well, he wouldn't let us end this thing without getting the last word in. John, what do you got? Oh, by the way, soybean export sales this past week, we said they were terrible, but for that week, the second uh, lowest ever sales. So <laughs> it can only get better, can it? Well, let's try to look at something optimistic here. All the news that we've floated out this morning has yeah. been pretty negative. Yeah, prices please. But looking down the road, there are some optimistic things out there. And this is kind of surprising. I didn't realize this, but CONAB, which is the Brazilian equivalent of the USDA, the Brazilian government agency, came out this week and they're predicting that corn acres in Brazil this coming year are going to decline by 5%. Oh. Yeah, I know. Did you hear that go down? I was wrong. And that's right. I had to correct you. This just came out from CONAB. It kind of surprised everybody, but they're predicting that, therefore, the corn production next year is going to be 120 million tons compared to the current estimate for this year's crop at 137 million tons. So that's going to help our corn export demand in the coming year, if that is correct, and if they have any kind of a weather problem. You can almost get a little bit of bullish corn, can't you? And in the U.S., we're going to cut back corn acres because right now we need more bean acres. And the ratio says buy corn acres and put them into soybeans, and that's going to happen. So we're looking for U.S. corn acres to decline. Brazilian corn acres are going to decline, it looks like. So that will help to uh, reduce some of this burdensome supply that we've got for the moment. So there is some hope out there. 
Great way to end it, John. The visit each week with Coley and Kavanaugh is made possible by support from the Allen County Farm Bureau. Your local Indiana Farm Bureaus are supporting things like agriculture in the classroom programs that educated over 40,000 kids and political action that eliminated state inheritance tax that accounts for as much as $300 million in savings annually right here in the state of Indiana. Now, when you support the Farm Bureau with a membership, you're supporting the farmers that feed us. And you don't have to be a farmer to get all the great benefits from membership. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.